Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Mormon Podcast, where we take a look at the complex issues surrounding the relationship between the LDS Church and the LGBTQ community. Today is February 13th, 2019, and this is episode 3. My name is Danny Caldwell, and I am your host today. I'm so happy that you are listening today. If this is your first time, welcome. I'm so happy that you're you're here. I need to just vent for a second. I'm a little frustrated right now. I This podcast was almost ready to publish, and I came in to do a last couple edits, and the whole thing was gone. So this is actually my second time recording the whole thing. Uh, it took me a little while to get up the, the nerve to sit down and re-record the whole thing again. I was very upset. So if I sound a little irritated, that's what's going on with me today. Another thing I wanted to just say with this podcast is, um, this is, I'm just starting this out, this is... Um, episode three, as I said, and there are, this has been a learning curve. I recognize that the first two episodes, the editing isn't great. I'm working on that. Hopefully this will be a little bit better. I apologize for that. Please try to overlook uh, my learning curve and try to get out of this what you can, but I, I'm really happy that that you're here t- uh, listening today. Today what I want to talk about is how to respond to someone who is coming out. This is something that takes a lot of courage for an individual to open up, to come out, to say, hey, you know what, I'm gay. And oftentimes there are our responses to these people are, they can be offensive, they can be very hurtful. I think most of the time that's not intended, but yet it it happens. So what I did is I reached out to some, to some groups that I am part of and asked some some queer people, LGBTQ people, and ask them, uh, what were some things that were said to you that were not helpful? So that's where I want to start today, is what are the things that were said that were not helpful to individuals when they decided to come out? So people responded, I made a list, so what I'm going to do is just go through each of the comments that were made and talk about them. There's actually quite a few, variety. there's a variety of them, there are, you know, some are are similar to others, but overall I think it's a, a good variety of responses. So I just want to go through each of those and then kind of give my my opinion, my thoughts on, on each of them. But before we dive into those, I just want to take a second and talk a little bit about coming out. You hear people a lot of times say, you know, why do gay people feel like they need to come out? Uh, you know, you see people do it on Facebook, you've seen people do it through YouTube videos and other other means. Why do they feel like they need to come out? Straight people don't need to come out. What's that that about? I think we have to understand what a gay person is going through. This is something that for many of them, for a straight person, they are born into a world and a society where their sexuality is just accepted. In fact, it's just assumed that they are straight in most cases. So they grow up, they don't ever have to come out. Everyone already assumes that they are, just assumes they are straight, and they are. But for a gay person, the world assumes they're straight. They have to let people know that that's not not the case, because if they show up at family dinner with some person, everyone's wondering what's going on. So there's that piece of just, it's, it's not expected, so they need to let people know so people understand what's going on. The other piece is there's a lot of shame that most of these people have been experiencing throughout their lives hating themselves, not liking themselves because of their sexuality. And it's not uncommon for them to go through a lot of their life hiding it. And so what we know about shame is that shame just builds and builds and builds through secrecy and isolation. The more I hide it, 
the more ashamed I become. So coming out in a lot of ways is a way for people to work through the shame that they are experiencing. The more they can talk about it, that decreases the shame. This is the whole principle behind like a 12-step AA group. We come and we share our story and that helps us decrease our shame. As we decrease our shame, that lowers our hate for ourselves, that lowers our desire to um, engage in our addictive behavior. So we, we see that being able to talk about what's going on, being honest about ourselves is a really healthy thing. So a lot of these people, it's kind of a big step in becoming healthy and happy with who they are. So just so you understand that that event of coming out is a pretty big deal for a lot of gay people. It's really hard, but it's also a very meaningful event for them. So to have that go well is really important. So with that, I want to kind of jump into this list that I received from people. So as I said, I'm just going to kind of go through each of these statements that were were sent to me and talk about each of them. So uh, here we go. This is the, the first statement that was was sent to me. This isn't a choice. This is the very first thing that was sent to me. As someone said that there had been a lot of assumption from people he'd opened up to that this is some kind of a choice. First off, we know that that is not true. Uh, homosexuality is not a choice. There is um, no basis for that. Now, you know, can somebody choose to engage in homosexual behavior? Sure, but those feelings of being gay, attracted to somebody else, that isn't a, a choice. For the individual, that feels very inborn, very part of who, who they are. And for a lot of people who don't experience this, for straight people, this can sometimes be really difficult to understand. They can't understand, you know, how can a gay man, or how can a man be attracted to another man? It just doesn't make sense to them. And what you need to understand is that for a gay person, they can say the same thing. They don't understand you know, it's weird to them. How could a man be attracted to a woman? Like to them, it makes sense to be with a man. And I get that that might be hard for someone to understand, but that's the experience of somebody who is gay. This isn't a choice. It's just what they feel. So where does this idea come from that it's a choice, at least within the LDS church? I think a lot of that comes from past things that have been said by general authorities. One of the more recent ones was by Elder Boyd K. Packer in 2010, I believe. This was in a conference talk, and I remember hearing this talk and being just shocked with what I was hearing. But what was, was said is, this is the statement, we teach the standard of moral conduct that will protect us from Satan's many substitutes and counterfeits for marriage. We must understand that any persuasion to enter into any relationship that is not in harmony with the principles of the gospel must be wrong. From the Book of Mormon, we learn that wickedness never was happiness. Some suppose that they were preset and cannot overcome what they feel are inborn tendencies towards the impure and unnatural. Not so. And then he states this question, why would our Heavenly Father do that to anyone? Remember, he is our father. I remember when I heard this, the immediate thought that went from through my head was, I don't know, why would he do that to anyone? He makes it sound like this isn't something that's real. This isn't a choice. Heavenly Father doesn't do that to people. That this is something that can't be overcome or changed. We know it can't be overcome or changed. Many people have tried. It doesn't happen. And that statement there kind of put puts out again this message that this is a choice or this is something that can be changed. This isn't a real experience for these people. 
and that is very very far from the truth and that message can be be very hurtful and very damaging uh, before I go on any further I need to just put a disclaimer in here some of these statements have some um, adult language that is not appropriate for younger listeners so please use discretion uh, there's not a lot of profanity but there is some uh, the reason that I choose to use the profanity rather than just replace it is that these are the messages people sent to me. And my opinion on swearing is that sometimes in our language, when we're feeling strong emotion, there just isn't another word that holds the same energy as, say, the F word. There is another word that holds that same kind of energy. So people can say, oh, we'll just replace it and use um, a different word. But, you know, saying I'm freaking mad doesn't hold the same energy as using the F word. That draws people's attention. It gets the point across. Uh, we don't have another word that has that same energy. And so I think by editing what people said, it's discounting their experience. So I'm going to just um, read things as they were sent to me. So just be warned that there are a few uh, swear words throughout this. So moving on to the second statement that was made. And this is one that um, I was talking about that has just has some swearing in it. Saying that you love the person, hate the sin is fucking nonsense. Because being queer and or trans is a fundamental part of our being. And I'm just going to go on and read the next statement. Don't make the person being trans and or queer some topic that they can never talk about. If you don't love them and make it acceptable for them to be who they are and talk about their life, then you aren't supporting them. If you support them, they have to be able to be trans and or queer around you. They need to be able to talk about partners, talk about pride, whatever within reason. Okay, so a few things there from this this individual. That whole saying of love the person, hate the sin. First of all, oftentimes this is used in regards to not just actions, but for an individual who is just having these feelings that they, they somehow have this sin. This is something that feels very core to that individual, just like being straight feels core to a straight person. It's just part of who you are. So to have it thrown in this category of this is a sin feeling this way even if it's acting on on this okay the acting on that for these individuals it's not doing this nasty dirty thing it's expressing their love to someone that they care about and so to say love the person hate the sin you're making that person feel like okay you kind of love me you love parts of me but you don't love all of me and what we need to realize, and I don't think a lot of times straight people realize this, is that our sexuality is more than just this little part of ourselves. It influences many, many aspects of who we are. It affects how we interact with people. It affects the way we view the world. It affects the way we fall in love. These are big things. And so to act like, oh, it's just this little thing you need to ignore, it's not a little thing. It's a very major thing. And I think a lot of times people don't get that because if you're straight, the world just caters to that. You don't realize the influence of this in your life, but queer people do realize that. And it can be very damaging and very hurtful when people respond in, in that way. The next statement that they, they talk about needing to support them, make it okay that they are feeling this. Recognize this isn't going to change and this is part of who they are. Whether you believe that's going to be there now or if that's um, going to stay with them for eternity, it doesn't matter. That's who they are now. 
and we need to love them for who they are and let them be trans or be queer around you. Let them talk about their partners the same way you would ask your straight friend or your straight son or daughter about their dating life. Ask your queer son or daughter about their dating life. Ask them about what their experiences, how they feel about life, how they, they're treated, what the difficulties have been. They want to talk about it. They love you. And they want you to be part of their life, but they also want their experience to be respected. So moving on to the next statement that we have on this, this list. Don't ever say that this affliction will go away in the next life, because that only encourages suicide. Seriously, people need to stop saying that shit. Okay, so this is something you hear all the time from parents, from church leaders, kind of thing. Someone comes out, is gay, and we treat it, first of all, that it's this affliction, this disease. Okay, first of all, homosexuality, not a disease. It was taken out of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual in the 1970s. And because we realized this is not a mental disorder, this is part of a person's being, it's who they are. And it is damaging to tell them that it's a disease. It's something that isn't going to change. So first of all, we need to stop calling it affliction. Then saying it'll go away in the next life, that is, once again, we're just saying, oh, this is this horrible thing, it'll go away in the next life. In Mormonism, the belief is that when we die in the next life, we will be perfected, we will have a perfect body. And in, you know, that perfect body, you know, all our ailments, all our scars, all those kinds of things will be taken away. But the problem is that we also are looking at homosexuality as this problem. When I have a perfect body, that will go away as well. So once again, you're saying you've got this problem, this infirmity that can't be fixed. Second of all, a lot of these kids are feeling like I can't live the gospel because I've been told this is the only way I can be happy. And I can't be in the gospel and act on these feelings. Also, another thing that is I have to have to make me happy is a family, which is marriage to a woman. I don't feel like I can do that. So really, I can't be happy in this life. But if this will go away in the next life, then I guess I can be happy there. That causes suicides. It happens. Life seems too difficult with this infirmity that they can't get rid of. So suicide seems like a good option, which is really sad that anyone has to ever feel that way. Uh, moving on, the next one. Um, don't say you felt the same way once and that you changed your mind, but do celebrate the courage it took to come out. Say thank you for sharing, acknowledging the effort and internal conflict it would take to say something. And I think overall, just letting us know we are loved either way. So don't say that you felt this way once and you changed your mind. Sexuality is some, not something people just change their mind about. And once again, it's almost implying that this is is a choice. I think it's pretty normal for a lot of teenagers to, as they're coming to their sexuality, to maybe think, you know, oh, you know, I see that guy, I can recognize he's a good-looking guy, maybe I'm gay. And to question that, and then realize, oh, no, you know, I can see he's a good-looking guy, but I don't really want to have sex with, with him. Yeah, and probably not gay. That's totally different than a gay person who's thinking... I see that guy, I'm really attracted, sexually attracted to that. I see girls, I'm not really sexually attracted to that. And it doesn't change. It's not something that just comes and, and goes. And it's not something that they're just questioning this for a few days. Kids aren't going to come out to you after they've thought about this for a day. This is something that they've been thinking about and stressing about for months, if not years. 
before they finally come and tell you. This isn't changing. This has been there. It's not a new thing, a whim, a phase that they're just going through that's going to go away. That doesn't happen. Talk to 99.999% of straight people and they'll tell you they never had that experience of thinking, oh yeah, I think I want to have sex with the, the same sex. doesn't happen because they're straight. Next statement. Don't say, but your testimony was so strong. There's people who are gay and Mormon. You could just marry a guy. It's obviously a woman who who stated that. Yeah, that one's another one. I I have a personal experience with this, and oftentimes it comes from a a place of love, a place of concern, and people want you to be happy, and they have been led to believe the same thing, that the only way to be happy is within the church and marrying a opposite-sex partner and in the temple and moving on in life that way. Uh, So especially if they've heard you bear your testimony. Mormonism bearing your testimony is your statement that you know things are true, you believe in God, you believe in Christ, you believe in the church, the Book of Mormon, all that kind of stuff. But when people say, your testimony is so strong, I've heard you bear your testimony. Keep in mind, a lot of people bear their testimony because we're told if you don't have a testimony, the way to build a testimony is through bearing your testimony. So, think, oh man, I don't have this testimony. I guess I got to keep saying it until I I do believe it. I had a a friend who I was on an LDS mission with who, when I was going through all this, he said to me once, Danny, I know know you believe this. I've heard you say this to people. I know you have a testimony. What he didn't know is every time I said that on the mission, I was, it didn't feel right. I felt inauthentic. It felt untrue to me. And I've had many conversations with my, my dad in particular saying, I've never had that just solid testimony that I know this is true. Like I hear people say, I never had that. And whenever I said that I, I did, it was because I was trying to get that because that's what I've been told. So bringing that up, you know, oh, but your testimony is so strong. Keep in mind, it, it wasn't necessarily. And you're just driving a wedge. This person has been hurt by the church and just bringing it up, oh no, you should still be in this church, is not going to help you connect with this person. The other part of the statement is there are people who are gay and Mormon, you could just marry a guy or marry someone of the opposite sex. And yes, that happens, and many of those relationships end in divorce, and at the very least, many of them have issues throughout the marriage in with intimacy, with misunderstanding, with infidelity, with pornography. They're typically not always the healthiest of relationships. Not to say that there aren't any that are, but many, many are not, and many end in divorce. Next thing is don't start by asking about their worthiness status. I absolutely hate this. First of all, that word worthiness used a lot in the LDS culture, meaning that am I worthy to be able to go to the temple, to be able to partake of the sacrament? Am I worthy to be able to participate in this or that? Certain things kind of the big things that make someone unworthy are going to be sexual sin and breaking the word of wisdom, which is not drinking alcohol, tea, coffee, using tobacco, drugs. And those are some of the main things that make someone unworthy. That word, for even when I was still in the church, I started having a major problem with that word, worthy. I mean, the root of that word is worth. So basically by saying I'm not worthy. I'm saying I don't have worth. And that message there is I've made a mistake and therefore I don't have worth anymore. And I hate that. In the church, when I was still in the church, I actually started using the term I'm not ready in talking about worthiness, that the person isn't ready right now. It's not that they're not worthy. They still have just as much value and worth. They just have something they need to work on. 
But in context of this, um, what the person said, don't start by asking their worthiness status. Basically asking, oh, well, have you done anything? Oh, you're gay. You haven't had sex with a guy, have you? Okay, this person just did something incredibly difficult. Coming out to you is one of the hardest things that they have ever done. Just listen to them. Be there for them. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. Don't worry about their worthiness status. If they feel like that's something they want to work on, they're going to take care of that. And if not, that's not your place to worry about. Uh, in the LDS faith, you believe in free agency, which is that all people should be able to choose for themselves what they want. And, you know, if someone wants to work through that, great. If they don't, that's their choice. And that's something we should respect. Mormons believe that there was a war fought in heaven over this very issue of being able to come to earth and make choices for ourselves. But yet we oftentimes see them not really supporting people and being able to make their own choices. So next statement. These statements, so there, there's a bunch of statements. I'm not going to read all of them, but this comes from a person. He just listed a whole bunch of things and said, not helpful things my parents said when I confided in them and or after I started challenging them and or after I came out more publicly 13 years later. Uh, first one he says, it's just a phase. You won't feel this way in a few months. Once again, negating their experience. I've never, I'm not going to say it doesn't exist, but if it does, it's extremely rare that someone just goes through a gay phase. Usually if someone is feeling that they're gay, they've worked up the courage to tell you this isn't a phase. This is a reality for them. So just keep that in mind when your impulse is to go to, oh, this is just a phase. It's not going to last. Next thing this person said, uh, where did you get that idea? A book? Let me confiscate the entire series that has a gay character. Being exposed to a gay person doesn't make someone gay. That's, you know, if that if it was that easy to switch, um, we'd have people switching sexuality all the time. Gay to straight, gay uh, straight to gay, whatever. Just be around someone and your sexuality will change. It's not how it works. Next item on this list. Uh, do you like anal sex? If not, you must not be gay. First of all, being gay is much more than just sex. Just like being straight is much more than just sex. It's the desire for that deeper emotional intimacy that you want with with a person. It's that feeling of giddiness when you see that person just because you love being around them. It's wanting to get done with your work day so you can go home and give that person a kiss and sit down and watch your favorite Netflix show with them. It's being excited to have the weekend off and alone with this person where you can just spend time together cleaning the house and stuff. It's that, that love of living your life together. It's not just sex. Second of all, just because somebody doesn't like a certain sexual act doesn't mean that they are not into sex with a certain uh, sex of person. Just because someone isn't into anal sex doesn't mean they're not attracted to, to men. And that that doesn't make sense. That's not, not how sex works. Lots of people like many different things sexually, and just because someone's not into one sexual act doesn't mean that their entire sexual attraction is negated. Next item on the list is don't tell anyone, including your siblings or your friends. Nobody would under understand. If you tell one person, you might as well assume that whole society knows. Okay, this is something I hear all the time too. They come out to their kids. I hear bishops say this a lot. Well, just don't tell anybody. And that is really damaging. Once again, you're saying this is a shameful thing that you need to hide, which just builds more shame and causes more psychological problems for an individual. And the way that the person starts being okay with themselves is by talking about it. 
sharing that with people and you take that away from them and they just go down this spiral of shame and hate that leads to depression addiction suicide it's it's a nasty path and the truth is nobody would understand just because you wouldn't understand doesn't mean nobody would understand most of my clients are very very surprised when they start coming out to people how many people do understand um, this isn't 19 you know 50s anymore people are exposed to this it doesn't freak people out the way it used to and that other thing is you tell one person assume that the whole, everyone in society knows also ridiculous i mean i'm i'm out i've got pictures of me and my partner on social media i am doing this podcast i don't hide this from anyone but the truth is i have co-workers that i don't even know if they know that i'm gay it's something that is i don't go out and broadcast to people i don't feel like i need to announce that when i you know meet a co-worker but truth is like all you have to do is google my name and you'll know this about me but there are plenty of people in my life that i don't know if they do know so once again that's that's ridiculous to to think that um, another thing that you hear people say a lot that's on this person's list is did you, did you ever just try thinking about women and imagine what it would be like to be with them this is once again just ridiculous and i can tell you probably almost every gay kid has tried to think and imagine about being with someone of the opposite sex because they're so ashamed of it they want to fix it and so they try to imagine that and guess what they don't feel anything and that's because they're gay and just because when you think about that you get excited and you get aroused doesn't mean that they do once again you've got to look at this the way you look at your own sexuality for example, if I'm a straight person and I just try thinking about someone of the same sex and being sexual with them, I'm probably not going to feel much. Um, I'm not going to get sexually aroused. I might even be disgusted by that. That's because that's my sexuality. It, and it works the same way for a gay person. Just thinking about the, the opposite sex in a sexual way isn't going to suddenly wake up this hidden sexuality. It is what it is. And thinking about it differently, um, imagining having sex with someone else isn't going to suddenly change that. Just because that's your sexuality and it makes sense to you, you got to understand that doesn't make sense to this gay person in your life. The next thing on this person's list, you don't have to love or be sexually attracted to a woman to be involved with her. Love comes later and sex later still. Because of what... The church teaches about families a lot of times for parents there's no option they can't see past that this isn't going to work with an opposite sex partner this parent in this case goes straight to you know how can we make this work with women it doesn't matter if you're attracted to them it doesn't matter if you guys are going to be sexually satisfied that's not really what's important and what we need to realize is that yeah that is important is it everything in a relationship no it's not but is it an important part of a relationship definitely and you want things to work out sexually with your partner i think most people would agree with that so that idea that you know we can just make this work even though you know we're not necessarily in love and that we don't want to have sex with them that's kind of sad all right the next one on here is were you molested another thing that is common in fact in my class today i, I teach at a local university here in uh, Utah Valley, uh, we were talking about gender development and oftentimes that topic goes into, just because of LGBT, it goes into homosexuality. And one student raised her hand and asked, you know, I know 
three people who are gay and all of them were molested, is that a, a factor? Does that cause homosexuality? And what we know is that in the LGBTQ population, there is a higher percentage of people who have been sexually assaulted or molested versus just the general population. And does that mean that there's a that, that correlation equals causation? Not necessarily. There's so many factors. Is it that you know a predator tends to be able to spot a, a young gay man and decides to take advantage of of him and so you know they just become targets more often. Sexuality and gender development is complex. We don't fully understand it. General thought is that it's some complex combination of both biological and environmental factors. So is it possible that you know something like someone being molested could contribute to the gender development or the um, sexual orientation of an individual? Possibly. We don't know that though. But what we do know is that it's not an, something that is always the case. While there may be a higher percentage, there's also, it's not 100%. If 100% of uh, gay people had been molested, then we could probably pretty safely say that there is a correlation, but it's not 100%. So could it play a factor? Possibly, we don't know. But the truth is, it doesn't matter. Because in the end, what we know is that the person's orientation, sexual orientation is fixed and it's not going to change. So it doesn't really matter what the causation was. What matters is how we treat that person afterwards. The next thing that this person said is, we still love you. You know you wouldn't choose to feel this way. This sounds okay, but the parent is also saying, we still love you. Saying that there is are some things that would make us not love you. It kind of gives that idea that love is conditional. And then we know you wouldn't choose to feel this way. Once again, so if they did choose to feel this way, would that change? Would you not love them if they had chosen to feel this way? Once again, it just kind of makes it sound like the love is conditional uh, based on our choices. And a parent's love shouldn't be conditional. Um, it should be unconditional. And I think most parents, that is how you feel about your kids. That love is unconditional. The next thing that was said is, yes, we still love you. It's not like you killed anyone or are doing drugs. Okay, crazy. Why are we even comparing this to killing someone or doing drugs? This shouldn't even be in the same realm of thought. How someone feels and who they fall in love with has nothing to do with killing someone or doing drugs. It's not even in the same realm. We're trying to compare it to this awful, you know, sinful, self-destructive behavior, and it's not. It's the exact opposite. It's loving somebody. It's just ridiculous that we, we go there, and it has to do with the LDS teaching that this is a sin. And in the LDS church, breaking the law of chastity is seen as kind of the worst sin, next only to murder. And homosexuality, homosexual behavior is seen as kind of the worst kind of sexual discretion or of breaking the law of chastity. It's like seen as the worst thing you could do next to killing somebody. So it makes sense that people would kind of go there, but at the same time, that is so damaging because it, it shouldn't even be in the same realm. So this poor person, I don't know who this was, but their parents just said a lot of not helpful things. Uh, the next thing that they said is, you're right. I haven't read or heard much about homosexuality, but what I do know about it, however, is that it can change. Uh, false. It cannot change. 
we know this about homosexuality. Many people have tried. There have been a few people who claim that it has changed. Many of those people, after years of saying that has changed, end up coming out and saying, actually, it didn't change. I was just saying it changed because I was trying to find acceptance and love. Mostly people who change, what that is is they're just trying to make a heterosexual life work. But really inside, it's it's not working and it, it's painful and it's it's hard. Next thing that they said, uh, do you think those people in the dance club would have gotten killed if they stayed home instead of went out doing sinful things in the club? That this is this is awful. That was a horribly tragic event when someone went into a nightclub in Florida and killed a bunch of of people. Awful. God isn't doesn't punish people for their behaviors, even if he thinks it's sinful or not. The LDS Church teaches that. They don't believe that God punishes people for their sinful actions. We believe that you are blessed for doing the right thing. We don't believe that you are punished for doing the wrong thing. believe that, you know, there are natural consequences, that if we do what we're supposed to, we'll be blessed, and those kinds of things. But the church doesn't even teach that, and that's just awful. So, almost saying that, yeah, it's kind of these people's fault. They went out doing sinful things, so they got themselves killed, so shouldn't do sinful things. There's people who don't do sinful things who get killed all the time. There's not a correlation. So, it's again, just ignorant and awful thing to say. Um, next thing that their parents said was, we feel like you died. Okay, awful. You know, if you feel like I died, it's very easy for someone's mind to go, well, then maybe I should just be dead. You know, it already feels like like I died. That's that's awful. And in the LDS Church, they they teach that sin leads you to a spiritual death, and so oftentimes dying spiritually is seen as almost the wor a worse death than actual physical death, because dying spiritually means you're lost in the eternities. I can see where a parent is coming from, or someone is coming from, and saying this. Uh, but that's horrible to feel like, you know, me just being me is this awful, terrible thing that I might as well just be dead. That kind of language leads to suicide, and it's awful. Next thing, why are you asking me if I think you deserve to be killed? I don't know if you deserve to be killed. That's for God to decide, not me. I'm assuming this was in response to the nightclub thing that was said a, a couple statements before. But the only acceptable answer if your child asks you do you think i deserve to be killed is no there's no other acceptable answer uh, i don't know if you deserve to be killed that's for god to decide uh, that is horrible and awful and there's no excuse for an answer like that the only acceptable answer is no of course not we love you so that was um those were the end of the statements from that that individual um, the next statement that was was shared, uh, this is a little, little bit longer one. The most lasting, powerful thing for me was the feeling of disappointing my parents if I acted on my gay feelings. Even though I knew they always loved me, I wasn't living up to their hopes and dreams for me. That I might not marry a woman and give them grandchildren and live a happy, traditional, heterosexual life. That was a very powerful force and motivation for why I lived my life the way I have, and I'm still not over it. I wanted so badly to please my parents and do the right thing. That includes not just my earthly parents, but my heavenly parents as well. Being gay wasn't part of what they had envisioned or hoped for me. Okay, this my heart breaks. This is so sad that this person felt that he would disappoint his parents so much that if he if he didn't 
go and live a heterosexual life that he just lived in misery. And I get this. I, a lot of men, a lot of people do this. Um, this is what I did. I, and it wasn't so much my parents, it was the culture that I was in. I was so afraid of being rejected from the culture I was in that I just tried to push this down. And I married a woman and we had three kids and I, I wasn't absolutely miserable, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled and it was hard. And I, I did that because, you know, I was so ashamed of not living the life that I was supposed to live. And a lot of people do this and it's really sad. All right, next one here is, uh, my ex-wife actually outed me to my parents when she told them, before she told me that she was leaving me because I was gay. My mother's response to me later was, can't you just ignore those feelings? She refused to accept that I was one of those and still refu refers to other openly gay famous people as fairies. It's hard to shift the paradigm for someone who is 82 and in denial that she had one gay brother and three gay nephews. Okay, first of all, coming out is a hard thing and we need to respect people in being able to be the one to share that with others and at least because I get in a situation where you know you just found out that your spouse is gay and you're struggling with that you need some support too I get that that's a difficult thing but at least let the person know hey I'm gonna be talking to these people if you'd like to do that first and um, that's great if not um, you know I'm gonna do that but be respectful that this is this person's story uh, the other things what what his mom says just ignore those feelings okay has do we ever expect that of straight people? No, we, we think it's it's cute. You know, there's a, when a kid comes home, he's got his first crush on a girl, we think that's just the cutest thing ever. But a kid comes home and he's got his first crush and it's on a boy, why can't you just ignore those feelings? Just don't, just don't pay attention to them. Okay, that should be a happy time. Like, think of your first crush. That was an exciting time. And that's, that's really hard to not have anyone supportive of how you feel, and that it's just this thing that you can ignore. We don't expect that of straight people, but yet it's expected of gay people all the time. And then uh, just the other comments that she made, kind of one of those, calling gay people fairies, those are just derogatory things, and those are hurtful. The next thing, uh, people of faith need to be able to question their beliefs when faced with conflicting truth. It is their beliefs and its infallibility that's most destructive to an LGBT plus individual. The no your kind is not wanted here is seen and felt before you have language to describe why you are not wanted and why you are different. You conceal your true self. It is also the destruction that comes from not finding hope. Love means nothing without hope. Love implies acceptance of who you are and not what you're expected to be. There's no place in the plan, hence no place for you. You are flawed, broken, unwanted as you are. Ultimately, the best thing a parent of faith can do is to believe in the truth of your child and not allow their beliefs to offend the child, their child, their wonderful, beautiful, perfect as they are child. Those are some really powerful remarks, I think. And really, I think it comes down to love. Regardless of what we believe, I think we need to kind of set aside the kind of obsession with the family being together forever and that we've got to make sure everyone's walking this perfect line in order to be together forever and start looking at the Savior. 
Um, Christ loved everyone. He invited everybody to his table. He wanted everybody, everybody there, and even those who weren't choosing what he maybe would agree with. And I think we need to take that approach and believe that God loves all his children and everything's going to work out. And that there are probably some aspects of the plan. If you believe in Mormonism, I would encourage you to open yourself up to the idea that maybe there's some things we don't fully understand. I mean, there's plenty of things that the LDS Church says, you know, we just don't know about that yet. Is it possible there's some things we don't quite understand yet about LGBT issues, about the afterlife, about being with our families, about you know eternal progression, those kinds of things. Just something to think about and set that stuff aside and just love your child. Be there for them. They, they need you. This next one. When I came out to my mom two years ago, she was a deer in the headlights, motionless and hardly breathing. Her first response to me was, we can fix this. There's got to be something that will change this. Surely the prophet will get a revelation that we will be able to know how to cure this. She later wrote me an email listing all of her fears about me being gay, which included not being able to accept my fellow gay friends. She still thinks to this day that this is just a fad or a phase I'm going through. As far as my father, he passed away five years ago, which is probably a good thing with regards to coming out because we didn't have the best relationship and he would have probably freaked out because he tried so hard to make me the kind of son he wanted me to be, not who I really was. So a lot there, but this this idea that we're going to fix this, there's got to be a cure. First of all, we're going straight to this is a problem instead of seeing that this is who this person is. And, you know, the prophet's going to get a revelation. Okay, if the prophet hasn't gotten a revelation, he's not going to. This isn't a new thing. This has been going on since forever. And the truth is, the prophet's not getting a revelation because there's nothing to fix. There's no problem here. And we just need to set aside those fears and step into our fears. Um, Fear is an interesting emotion because it's about one thing and one thing only, and that's about the unknown. We're afraid of things that we don't know what's going to happen. And the only way to get through fear is we have to step into the fear. Okay, if I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to accept my son's gay friends, then I need to go and meet my son's gay friends. If I'm afraid that my friends are going to reject me when they find out that I have a gay son, then I need to let my friends know that I have a gay son. And you know what? If they reject me, then I work through that hurt and I move on. I don't live in fear and reject my son because I'm afraid of what the outcome could possibly be. All right, and then here is the very last one on this list that was um, sent to me. I had an LDS life coach tell me that the only reason I was attracted to women is that I'm possessed by a male demon. So this is coming from a woman. Uh, My parents were thrilled because that meant all I had to do was cast the demon out and I'd be fixed. They didn't understand why I didn't want to do that. Other than that, my parents mostly responded really well. There was never any threat of cutting me off or kicking me out or anything. Sometimes my mom would drop little hints like, wouldn't you like to have a family and a spouse you could have kids with, like, naturally? All right, this idea, I don't know where the hell this came from, and I had never heard it until about a year ago, and I've actually heard it several times since, but this idea that gay people are possessed by an opposite sex demon and that is why they're attracted to the same sex okay first of all we're going straight to you are possessed by a demon what do you think that makes someone feel like especially when they start to realize I can't change this 
uh, that I'm possessed with the demon forever, or at least that the way I'm seen is that I'm possessed by a demon, that's awful, and that's really hurtful. You know, the statement is they didn't understand why I didn't want to cast that out. Let me, let me help you try to understand why a gay person might not want to get rid of this. It's because it's part of who they are, and it's, it's deep, and it influences every aspect of their life, and losing that means losing themselves. I mean, just think about that as a straight person. If suddenly you lost your sexuality, and it switched, and you were suddenly gay, you would lose part of your identity with that. Uh, that's a scary thing. And so it makes sense that a gay person wouldn't want to do that. And oftentimes when they try to do that, it's because, not that they necessarily want to, but it's because they want to be accepted by their family and friends. So it's it can be a really difficult thing to, to be faced with that idea of, hey, you should change this, or you should want to change this. So that's, that's my list. That's of the things that uh, people sent me. I'd love to hear more. If you have you know, more stories of your coming out and things that were said to you that weren't helpful. That's, that would be awesome. I'd also love to hear stories of when you came out, things that were really helpful. Uh, I want to do a podcast on that as well. So to start off, I just wanted to list, you know, these are the things not to say. I'd love to hear from people and get some things that you should say and do another podcast on that. Uh, with that said, I do just want to end. If this happens for you, um, if someone comes out to you, okay, here's all the stuff not to do. The best rule of thumb is just say, I love you and give them a hug. You don't need to say a whole lot. Sometimes they just want you to hear and to know that they're still loved. And that's the easiest thing. I mean, there's a lot you could say that would probably be great, but ultimately that's all they really need is to know that they're still loved. So keep that in mind. So, wrapping this up, again, my name is Danny Caldwell, and this is Rainbow Mormon Podcast. Uh, love to hear from you. Um, you can email me at rainbowmormon at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. I'd love for you to like my page on Facebook. That is, you can find that under Rainbow, Rainbow Mormon Podcast. And also, go to our website at uh, rainbowmormon.org and uh, make a donation. Uh, these podcasts rely on generous support of donors um, this along with many other podcasts involved in the mormon discussions group mormon discussions has a whole bunch of great podcasts check them out rainbow mormon podcast is one of those um, but there's a lot of great podcasts about uh, navigating certain aspects of of mormonism the music provided was by blue dot session and the artwork um, that you can find on our Facebook page and on the website was by Jamie Webb. Y'all have a great day, and I can't wait to talk with you next time. Thanks.